Hello, this is Sophie Robert with Balanced Bees Nonprofit Youth Organization. We're here tonight to introduce the nonprofit. We are here for the youth. We are here to help them with the good times, the bad times, the hard times, and to learn how to get through those times. Balanced Bees Nonprofit was created by a life coach who worked with women who were abused and teaching them how to grow to become independent people and is still is a life coach writing a book author of uh, no abuse and now we have a balanced peace nonprofit to help the youth the young girls or boys or anybody to learn before before the pain to learn the lessons of life to be a strong, independent person, to understand the truth about the, the good, the bad, the ugly, the realities of life, to be prepared for what the world does provide and give to you. And if you've already been in pain and struggle, we have courses that will help you get through them, get through the hard times, get through the light, and be able to grow into a beautiful young person with strong decisions, proper decisions, finding healthy ways to let out your emotions, whether through writing, art, music, fitness. There are so many different outlets, and the youth have been so sheltered with social media, and I'm not complaining about it, but I am saying that as a mother, we have allowed social media to take over our children's lives, and we are, do not have the access to connect with our children to teach them life lessons and I hope that my workshops through Balanced Bees Nonprofit will help young girls get together, meet each other, learn, grow, have fun and in the process become a stronger independent person. As a mom I know it's hard to connect with our own kids. Sometimes it's better when they are with other teenagers amongst themselves and that's why I made these workshops for them with supervision of nonprofit volunteers and adults, but to teach them real life lessons and value core lessons that you don't want to have them learn as well. Proper lessons, values, important teachings that will make them stronger, independent people, prepared for the college, prepared for the future, prepared for a career. I am so glad to announce Balance Bees Nonprofit. This month we will be working with Sexual Assault Awareness Workshop tomorrow at 12 o'clock. Welcome to Balance Bees Nonprofit Sexual Assault April Mending Hearts Month Healthy Outlets. When something's on your mind, chances are that you feel better when you get out. All the more so if you're recovering from depression, you'll find that you have better handle on your emotions if you are creative juices flowing through art, writing, music, and a favorite hobby. Don't worry if you've never thought of yourself as an artistic person. This idea isn't going to come up with a masterpiece, and you don't have to show your work to anyone if you don't want to. Just express yourself. Creating something original out of your feelings or mood can be satisfying in itself. Some therapists use artistic expression as a way to facilitate therapy. It's not hard to get it out or started. Pick up an old hobby or look for new ones. Writing. 
type or pen your thoughts out upsetting events in your life because that you can help it can help you deal with your emotions about them research show for example that studies say that showing writing about tragic experiences for just 15 minutes a day for 3 days leaves people feeling better you can show what you've written to family trusted friends a therapist if you want but you can also keep it private A journal is a book where you can write personal details and feelings down. It can be any size, any shape, any color. It can be important that it remains totally confidential and you have the total control over it. Only allow people you trust or keep it private. As I said before, there are four easy steps to help you write one. Step one, pick a medium. Um, do you want to write just by paper or do you want to use a computer? Specializing journal writing software like LifeJournal to pin your thoughts and expressions. Writing or keeping it digital have their pros and cons. Physical diaries is a more portable for some people need to earthly feel the paper and pen to get in the mood of writing. On the other hand, software is more convenient and efficient as you can organize your journal, go back and forth, and create a pattern. If you're into that sort of thing, definitely use a password protected app. Pick your subject. Contrary, contrary to popular belief, a journal doesn't have to be limited to history of abuse. You can write about varieties of topics, ranging from hardcore philosophy to travel experiences to politics. That's the beauty of this form. It is flexible enough to encompass a wide spectrum of thoughts and allow you to open previous locked doors. Pour your heart out. Write about your heartfelt experiences. It is the most obvious choice when it comes to picking a subject for your journal. Don't shy to narrate your life story, even if it seems completely uneventful to you. Seemingly trivia things like your first love or broken heart can teach you things about how life works. Many years later, when you look back at your journal, you can be surprised on how far you've traveled over the years. Random Meditations A journal is a perfect place to unleash the hidden philosopher within you. Put on your thinking cap and remunerate about random topics like things that you are scared of, the meaning of life, the value of suffering and pain. On a lighter note, write about a movie you loved or a book that influenced you deeply. You can also experiment with different writing styles. It is no co coincidence that the greatest writers were in the habit of writing in journals. A journal gave them the opportunity to experiment with new writing styles, tones, and dictations. Take a cue from some of the best journals through history and try new ways of writing. Not only will you improve your writing ability, it will also make you refreshing change in your journal, opening up a new path for you to explore. It can also help you detach as you write particular painful chapters. Always look back in your journal. Every now and then, when you look back in your journal with an eye to edit, 
not censor. Remember, a journal should be a home for your deepest thoughts. While reflecting on your entries, don't let the moralization impulse get the better of you. On the contrary, aim should not be to edit or revise your journal. Go through earlier entries and think about how you would have expressed yourself differently. You might actually disagree with your own thoughts. Here is a video of a teenage girl writing a poem about sexual assault. At the age of 12, we were told that if boys pulled our hair or poked us with pencils, it meant that they liked us. But we didn't like it that much. We were 13 years old when we would walk down the street and had men look from our feet to our face, and we'd listen as they completely replaced our identity from human to object. As they said cringeworthy things to us, we wanted to run. We were frozen in place but continued walking fast-paced, turning on whatever sidewalk was closest just to get away, even if it didn't lead us in the way that we were originally going. Because Mama always said, if you see a strange man following you, you go to the other side of the street. And remember, if they ever grab you, scream. And there's something we had to learn at the age of 13 because we are just young fiends. We were spanked by the boys at our school, but it was cool because it just meant we had nice bodies. And they rated our bodies on a scale from 1 to 10. And if you were a 10, you would learn to spend your days hearing whistles, purring, and damn girl. Because if you were a damn girl, then that meant you weren't a damn girl at all. You were just a toy label, do whatever you want to me, even though I don't agree. And we had to watch what we wore because if too much shoulder was showing, we had to change our clothing because it distracted the boys from their learning. So the only thing that we were learning were tips and tricks to tie up our shirt so that it didn't hang too low because that would show the guys that we wanted. Because wearing shorts and tank tops meant that we were flaunting it. So when we were 16, we screamed because the men that followed us on the sidewalks finally caught up to us. We quietly said, please don't touch us there. We know we're asking for it by wearing these heels, but we just feel so uncomfortable, so stop. But that meant go. We said no, but that meant yes. So they grabbed us and unzipped our dress. They threw us down where our dignity sank lower than the ground. They hovered over us and we pleaded for them to stop. They got on top and you don't need to know the rest because we're some of the 60% of victims that will never tell a soul. So we'll just grab our dresses and go home. Take a few showers and try to get some sleep. In the morning, we will pick out the outfit that is most discreet because we want to make sure that no other man from the street thinks we look sweet enough to want to taste. We want to make sure we are as covered as possible so that our identities are not replaced with walking candy. And we will sit at the back of class where nobody will ask how our weekend was because if they ask, we might just burst into tears. And we will live in fear. We will run home so that we will never see the same men again that wait for us to be alone. We went from little boys poking us to men provoking us. We went from little boys pulling our ponytails to watching the trail of tears fall down our pillow every night because we knew once we fell asleep we would see the men in our dreams, no sorry, nightmares that caught up to us on the sidewalk that night and left us bare. We went from playing with our toys to being toys ourselves. So boys will be boys and us women will never tell. What a beautiful expressive journal entry by a young teenage girl sharing her reality. Join us again for a Balanced Peace Nonprofit lesson on boundaries for moving forward. Next lesson. Welcome to Balanced Peace Nonprofit Sexual Assault April Mending Hearts Month Healthy Outlets. When something's on your mind, chances are that you feel better when you get out. 
All the more so if you're recovering from depression, you'll find that you have better handle on your emotions if you are creative juices flowing through art, writing, music, and a favorite hobby. Don't worry if you've never thought of yourself as an artistic person. This idea isn't going to come up with a masterpiece, and you don't have to show your work to anyone if you don't want to. Just express yourself. Creating something original out of your feelings or mood can be satisfying in itself. Some therapists use artistic expression as a way to facilitate therapy. It's not hard to get it out or started. Pick up an old hobby or look for new ones. Writing. Type or pen your thoughts out upsetting events in your life because that you can help it can help you deal with your emotions about them. Research show, for example, that studies say that showing writing about tragic experiences for just 15 minutes a day for three days leaves people feeling better. You can show what you've written to family, trusted friends, a therapist if you want, but you can also keep it private. A journal is a book where you can write personal details and feelings down. It can be any size, any shape, any color. It can be important that it remains totally confidential and you have the total control over it. Only allow people you trust or keep it private. As I said before, there are four easy steps to help you write one. Step one, pick a medium. Um, do you want to write just by paper or do you want to use a computer? Specializing journal writing software like LifeJournal to pin your thoughts and expressions. Writing or keeping it digital have their pros and cons. Physical diaries is a more portable for some people need to earthly feel the paper and pen to get in the mood of writing. On the other hand, software is more convenient and efficient as you can organize your journal, go back and forth, and create a pattern. If you're into that sort of thing, definitely use a password-protected app. Pick your subject. Contrary, contrary to popular belief, a journal doesn't have to be limited to history of abuse. You can write about varieties of topics, ranging from hardcore philosophy to travel experiences to politics. That's the beauty of this form. It is flexible enough to encompass a wide spectrum of thoughts and allow you to open previous locked doors. Pour your heart out. Write about your heartfelt experiences. It is the most obvious choice when it comes to picking a subject for your journal. Don't shy to narrate your life story, even if it seems completely uneventful to you. Seemingly trivia things like your first love or broken heart can teach you things about how life works. Many years later, when you look back at your journal, you can be surprised on how far you've traveled over the years. Random Meditations A journal is a perfect place to unleash the hidden philosopher within you. Put on your thinking cap and remunerate about random topics like things that you are scared of, the meaning of life, the value of suffering and pain. 
On a lighter note, write about a movie you loved or a book that influenced you deeply. You can also experiment with different writing styles. It is no co coincidence that the greatest writers were in the habit of writing in journals. A journal gave them the opportunity to experiment with new writing styles, tones, and dictations. Take a cue from some of the best journals through history and try new ways of writing. Not only will you improve your writing ability, it will also make you refreshing change in your journal, opening up a new path for you to explore. It can also help you detach as you write particular painful chapters. Always look back in your journal. Every now and then, when you look back in your journal with an eye to edit, not censor, remember a journal should be a home for your deepest thoughts. While reflecting on your entries, don't let the moralization impulse get the better of you. On the contrary, aim should not be to edit or revise your journal. Go through earlier entries and think about how you would have expressed yourself differently. You might actually disagree with your own thoughts. Here is a video of a teenage girl writing a poem about sexual assault. At the age of 12, we were told that if boys pulled our hair or poked us with pencils, it meant that they liked us. But we didn't like it that much. We were 13 years old when we would walk down the street and had men look from our feet to our face, and we'd listen as they completely replaced our identity from human to object. As they said cringeworthy things to us, we wanted to run. We were frozen in place but continued walking fast-paced, turning on whatever sidewalk was closest just to get away, even if it didn't lead us in the way that we were originally going. Because Mama always said, if you see a strange man following you, you go to the other side of the street. And remember, if they ever grab you, scream. And there's something we had to learn at the age of 13 because we are just young fiends. We were spanked by the boys at our school, but it was cool because it just meant we had nice bodies. And they rated our bodies on a scale from 1 to 10. And if you were a 10, you would learn to spend your days hearing whistles, purring, and damn girl. Because if you were a damn girl, then that meant you weren't a damn girl at all. You were just a toy labeled, do whatever you want to me, even though I don't agree. And we had to watch what we wore because if too much shoulder was showing, we had to change our clothing because it distracted the boys from their learning. So the only thing that we were learning were tips and tricks to tie up our shirt so that it didn't hang too low because that would show the guys that we wanted. Because wearing shorts and tank tops meant that we were flaunting it. So when we were 16, we screamed because the men that followed us on the sidewalks finally caught up to us. We quietly said, please don't touch us there. We know we're asking for it by wearing these heels, but we just feel so uncomfortable, so stop. But that meant go. We said no, but that meant yes. So they grabbed us and unzipped our dress. They threw us down where our dignity sank lower than the ground. They hovered over us and we pleaded for them to stop. They got on top and you don't need to know the rest because we're some of the 60% of victims that will never tell a soul. So we'll just grab our dresses and go home. Take a few showers and try to get some sleep. In the morning, we will pick out the outfit that is most discreet because we want to make sure that no other man from the street thinks we look sweet enough to want to taste. We want to make sure we are as covered as possible so that our identities are not replaced with walking candy. And we will sit at the back of class where nobody will ask how our weekend was because if they ask, we might just burst into tears. And we will live in fear. We will run home so that we will never see the same men again that wait for us to be alone. We went from little boys poking us to men provoking us. 
We went from little boys pulling our ponytails to watching the trail of tears fall down our pillow every night because we knew once we fell asleep we would see the men in our dreams, no sorry, nightmares that caught up to us on the sidewalk that night and left us bare. We went from playing with our toys to being toys ourselves. So boys will be boys and us women will never tell. What a beautiful expressive journal entry by a young teenage girl sharing her reality. Join us again for a Balanced Peace Nonprofit lesson on boundaries for moving forward. Next lesson. Welcome back to Balanced Bees Nonprofit. So excited that you're back for Mending Hearts on Sexual Assault Boundaries Moving Forward. To learn about healthy relationships, we're going to watch a video, listen to a video teaching teens about healthy relationships. Resources Against Violent Encounters. It's a program put on by Family Futures, and basically we're going into the classroom and talking to teens about how they want to be treated in a relationship and the ways that they don't want to be treated. Who can maybe give me an example of what sexual harassment might look like? I think a lot of times in schools we kind of miss some of that conversation, and so it's helpful to bring in an outside facilitator and program to be able to talk about dating violence and have some honest conversations about uh, what kids can do to keep themselves safe. There's a lot of people that get abused that you don't know about, like you don't know they've been abused, and being able to learn about it, you know that you can help them, and you're not just another person out there not knowing anything, you can actually help somebody else. Our students read through many real-life scenarios and uh, decide kind of what they would do in that situation. And then they also look through those scenarios and look for really signs of abuse to see, are these things we've talked about in class, are these things that are okay, would it make me feel uncomfortable? And then uh, we just kind of talk through that as a group and uh, allow them to kind of set a plan, a safety plan for them in their own life. Well, uh, I've learned that there's a lot of resources for any type of problem you have, like, like uh, emotional abuse, and then you have like the like, like physical abuse. You always have someone to go to, and not to stay in that situation. And you always have to like try to avoid that situation and find help because there's always help everywhere. They just talk about how you know there's students that have been in unhealthy relationships and use the information that we've presented to really choose to you know choose something better for themselves to get out of that relationship, get safe, or even to get help for a friend. Well, I learn a lot because. I don't really know other people's opinions on abuse or anything, and it kind of gives me another perspective on what they go through. And so I can end up helping them through a situation that I've never been through. Uh, I've learned that um, not every relationship is healthy. And it's like there are certain ways you can improve your relationship through like like learning and communication. No, it's not flirting because she... She feels uncomfortable. It's unwanted. It makes her feel uncomfortable. Good. 
Sure, we talk about being real, so being honest about our story and what we want in relationships. We also talk about being respectful, so um, respecting each other's stories and what's shared in the class. And it's amazing, even the first few weeks here at Union, students have been sharing some really personal things. And uh, I think a lot of times teens want a place where they can be real, where they can feel safe, they can feel appreciated, and uh, talk about these tough issues. The cost is free. We have some great funding, um, some great partners that allow us to go and present this program for free. And we go to schools. Uh, really all over West Michigan. It's not going to get better if you don't tell anybody about it. And then RAVE is just one of those programs that can just, like, make, help you open up and, like, help you, like, gain those skills that you need to inform people about your situation and stuff. So I'd, I'd totally tell my friend or to go for it, do RAVE, because it's, it's an amazing program. Here's a final thought I'd like to leave you with tonight. Have a great evening. Where are you, Lord? The effects of trauma on boundaries development is largely formed in childhood. How we were treated by others shaped on how our boundaries are defined. Can you remember how your boundaries were shaped? If you were a child, you need if your needs were not met appropriately and you did not feel safe and secure, then you don't understand the healthy sense of personal boundaries. Abuse and trauma in early childhood can rob you of the sense of safety and the need to explore your own identity. Was your trauma something that robbed you from your childhood safety? Any type of abuse, physical, emotional, or sexual, is a boundary invasion. Victims of abuse experience a loss of control over your own bodies and lives. Those who grew up in homes who don't function well in terms of communication or understanding where physically, mental, and emotional boundaries are not respected often became confused, vulnerable, and insecure. Different than those raised in a very healthy home. Sadly, these children often do not attempt to defend their rights individually as they have not learned that they have any. Let's listen to a therapist's point of view on boundaries. are. My son uh, just recently 
made some some choices where uh, he decided he didn't want to do his homework, and he knew prior to that that he wouldn't be able to um, participate in some activities that he had planned, and he chose not to do his homework, and therefore he didn't participate in the activities. And it was it was not an easy choice for us to make because we want him to be involved in these activities. We wanted him to be able to have these experiences. But he made the choice, and he knew what the consequences were when he made that choice. He made the choice not to do his homework. He doesn't get the privileges. We try to make sure that they, you know, know what the consequences are before they make a choice. That way, they can um, be able to to make their own decisions and decide for themselves if the consequences are worth it to them. When unexpected situations arise, our family will adjust. Um, the consequences can be mitigated if the kids are willing to learn from their mistakes and to try and make up for things that they may have done wrong. You want to give them the opportunity to make things better. I think that's really what rules are for, is to, to be able to give them boundaries. But it gives them an opportunity to learn that even though they've made a mistake, that they can make things better. We do allow them to you know, make up something. If they've done something wrong or they haven't done it in a, in a correct time frame, we do compromise sometimes and say, okay, you know, maybe the consequences won't be as significant if you will do what needs to be done now. There are still going to be consequences, but those can be negotiated. And I think that they learn from that because they're able to realize that, you know, things can be changed in the, in the course of, of the event and that, that they have the power to make things better. But as a parent, you have to kind of take that responsibility and say, you know, I need to protect you. And I think that's a big thing is you just need to communicate with them to, so that they understand that you're not, you know, making rules arbitrarily just to make their lives miserable or to, you know, hurt their feelings or make them sad. But just communicate, you know, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing this because there are rules in society that need to be followed. And that this is the place for you to learn that, you know, as you're going out into the world and, and making your choices, that there are boundaries and rules that you have to follow in order to, you know, to live in society, be a productive member of society. And so, you know, I'm doing this to teach you, and I'm doing it out of love, and I'm not doing it to punish you or, or make you sad or, or make your life miserable. Now, this video is not relevant to sexual assault, but what it is is a structure of what a normal family, a mother who is a therapist with children who have real, real just regular issues, tries to deal with it when... Those who have been in a sexually assaultive family or been assaulted by somebody who is a family member don't have these structures. You are not able to express your feelings or share anything that was happening. Everything was always stuck as a secret. You always had to keep everything quiet, and if you talked about it, often you were, nobody believed you, and it was very hurtful. So as you grow forward, it's important for you to Know your boundaries and honor your boundaries and make sure that nobody um, tries to take advantage or or um, cross the line. You need to give permission before giving you a hug. It's important that you feel that you're in control of your own body at all times. You can discuss a safety plan with those that you feel close to and are willing to share your own freedoms out of your own fears. Let's listen to one other short video about respect, understanding boundaries in a relationship. Sex without permission is rape. Do you want to be a rapist? I don't think so.
Name's Kevin. I can't show you my face because of what I did. See, I had sex with my girlfriend one night. Only she didn't want to. We were making out, but she was saying no, and I didn't really think she meant it. And afterwards, she wouldn't even look at me. I told her not to tell anybody, but she must have. They're saying it's rape. I can't be a rapist. I'm her boyfriend. My boyfriend used to say if I loved him, I'd have sex with him. I was afraid if I didn't, he'd break up with me. He kept pressuring me, saying, come, come on, on, babe, don't, don't you, you love, love me? me? I, can't wait I just you. changed the subject. Anyway, one night, things kind of got out of control. I said no, but he wouldn't listen to me. I always thought a rapist was a criminal who hid in a dark alley. I didn't think he could be my boyfriend. <laughs> Are you okay with this? I'm okay with kissing you. But not... Yeah, not yet. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Good. <laughs> Hey. Yeah? Thanks. For what? For asking. Yo, Craig, how'd it go with Jen last night? Good. Real good. <laughs> you are the man, right on. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know what? I took her to that party, yo. I got her loosened up with a bunch of shots and got her real hammered. Mm. Told her I'd take her home, but I took her somewhere better, man. You know what? She was saying no, but I knew she wanted it. Dude, that's not cool. Those are perfect examples of people disrespecting or other examples of people honoring your boundaries. You need to set your own boundaries. No matter where you started from or where you're at now, you need to know your boundaries and communicate them clearly. Talk early and often about your beliefs regarding sexual activity. Let your dating partner or any future dating partner know how you like to be treated and make sure that you act, that they ask you, you ask them how they want to be treated. It is your responsibility to respect your partner's boundaries at all times and your right to maintain your own boundaries without questioning or justification. Always remember that you and your partner also have the right to change your boundaries, but only with communication. Using these boundaries forward and creating your goals in your life will help you create the life that you want forward and the relationships that you want. You can make that a choice. Don't give up what you want for anybody else. Take care of yourself first and make your boundaries move you forward. Thank you for listening to our podcast here on Balanced Peace Nonprofit. Look forward to you to hearing our next episode about building healthy relationships in your future. Have a wonderful day. Starting off April Mending Hearts, Survival Awareness Month, Balanced Peace Nonprofit, we're going to open up with a beautiful song. Share, you haven't seen the last of me.
What a beautiful song by Cher. Hard to do, like most people who have been sexually assaulted. I have been blamed for my own rape. I've been blamed by society. I've been blamed by administration and my previous life and friends. I've been blamed by random strangers who I trusted enough to tell my story. I've been blamed by people I thought were my friends who suddenly indicated that if I wasn't in the wrong place at the wrong time, I would have never been assaulted. I've been blamed by many people, and it was always painful, but the most hurtful is invasive part was always done by me. Stop blaming myself. In many ways, I was my own biggest enemy when it came to victim blaming. For a long time, I treated myself badly. I treated myself in a way that I would never treat anyone else, that I would never let anyone else treat me, or I thought. 
at some level. I knew I was wrong to blame myself, yet I couldn't stop doing it over and over again. How many of you have felt this way? Unfortunately, my situation isn't unique at all. A number of people, women, struggle with internalizing victim blaming every day. The sense of self-blaming can cause a great amount of self-loathing and can hinder the process of healing after any type of assault. Society constantly tells us that those who have been sexually assaulted are to blame for their assault. What they really mean is, the only person to blame is who chooses to assault, the abuser. At some level, a great number of people who have been sexually assaulted do blame themselves for what happened. But why? Do you? Is that fair? Even when you know it's not your fault? We've allowed the message of society has put on us. Victim blaming can be psychologically and emotionally exhausting, and it can be a huge obstacle in healing after sexual assault. This is why it's so important that we challenge our own self-blame. With self-love and a great deal of effort, we can kick self-blame in the behind. The following list and a selection of ways to ways that have helped me, of course not all of the methods will work for everyone, we all heal differently. I'm not trying to say I understand how everyone should heal. I do want to give you, you ideas on how to approach your healing. Some of the ways we can approach are internalizing victim blaming. Understanding victim blaming is as an intellectual level. Understanding something at an intellectual level is way different than understanding it at an emotional level, but it becomes easier to tackle involuntary habitual, internalized victim-blaming once we understand victim-blaming intellectually. There's a lot of evidence that show us that anybody can be sexually assaulted, no matter their identity or behavior. We also know that the best way to prevent sexual assault is not to police the behavior of potential victims, but to create a culture in which sexual violence is not tolerated and should never have been for you or anybody else. There's a lot of information out there that demonstrates that victims are never to blame for their age, for their rape. Acquaint yourself with these ideas if you haven't yet. Next, tackle those self-blaming thoughts directly. It's nearly impossible to tackle something you can't identify. For this reason, it is imperative that you take the notice of self-blaming thoughts wherever you have them. I personally found that Following a method really was really helpful when tackling toxic self-blaming messages. Identifying the thought I had is something general, like my rape was my fault, or it's something more specific, like I shouldn't have been wearing that, or I've only been raped because I wore this. Identify where the thoughts come from. Maybe it's random popped in your head. Maybe you had a thought after someone said victim-blaming to you. Maybe... You saw something online that sparked your thought. If a certain source constantly causes you to have self-blame thoughts, it might be a good idea to avoid that person or thing. You can try to prepare yourself emotionally before you deal with it. Remind yourself that initial thoughts was, was wrong. There is where I draw on my intellectual understanding of a victim blaming, as mentioned earlier in the article. I say to myself, 
Hold on. You know that's not your fault. It was entirely your rapist's choice to rape you. He could have controlled himself if he wanted to. Rape, that thought of the self-blame, was also thought, remind yourself that you're not to blame. Reaffirm that you're healing and you're doing really well. Then remind yourself all the things that you love about yourself, your good qualities, your strengths, your skills. I like to write all these things down and work through it step by step. Not only does it help to record of my progress, but it reminds me that it is possible for me to pull myself out of a cycle of victim blaming. This trick is to do this many times until it becomes almost habitual. I've been doing this for a few months and nearly automatically for me to address myself, blaming with interception. Balance Bees is constantly wanting to help you give advice for really hard teen issues that some people just don't want to deal with. Keep listening in for little short episodes that will constantly help you grow. BalanceBeesNonprofit.org